Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, boxing fans. This is Jenna J. And I'm welcoming you to the 247th edition of On the Ropes Boxing Radio. And I have a great show in store for you guys this week. I'll be joined by two guests. I'll be having the return of former IBF welterweight champion, Showtime Sean Porter, who will discuss his big upcoming fight with Keith one-time Thurman and also give his thoughts on the welterweight division. I will also be having on the return of one of the greatest trainers in boxing history. That's right. Freddie Roach will be on to discuss Manny Pacquiao's upcoming third fight with Timothy Bradley and also give his views on the boxing scene. But to open up this week's show, I'd like to start with the news of the week because there was some pretty big news coming out of the middleweight division. Canelo Alvarez's next fight has been announced, and it was kind of a shocker. He will be taking on Amir Khan on March 7th at the brand-new T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, This is a, a very surprising fight that got announced. It really caught me off guard, especially the fact that there wasn't anything talked about. There was no talk whatsoever about Alvarez versus Khan, yet the fight all of a sudden just gets announced one day. So you got to give some props to Golden Boy Promotions for being able to negotiate that type of fight and keep it completely under wraps. I can't remember the last time I've seen a, a fight between two really high-profile fighters that went under the radar like this. If there was no public talks, there was no back-and-forth negotiations, there was nothing. It just, boom, the fight is here. And now that the fight is here, Let's talk about it a little bit. We have Canelo Alvarez, who is the linear middleweight champion of the world. He just won that distinction from Miguel Cotto. He holds WBC middleweight championship. And as we all know, Canelo only fights at one weight. That is 155 pounds. You have Amir Khan. You know, he's a guy that was a former champion at 140 pounds. And at 147, you know, he's been trying to chase the big fights like Mayweather and Pacquiao has come up short in getting those matchups. But, you know, overall, his whole campaign at 147, honestly, has been underwhelming. I mean, his biggest win at the weight class against Stefan Alexander, who in turn lost his very next fight to Aaron Martinez. So you've got to wonder how good Amir Khan is even at 147, let alone moving up basically to middleweight. Uh, so overall, the fight, it is intriguing because it's two big names of sport. I mean, Canelo Alvarez is already a guy that's proven that he can sell pay-per-view buys his last fight with Cotto was a, a big success, and he's had minor success with his smaller pay-per-views. Amir Khan, he's a big name internationally. He's one of the biggest names in the U.K. So just on paper, it's an intriguing matchup, and it kind of reminds me a lot of when Manny Pacquiao took on Oscar De La Hoya. Oscar De La Hoya was the biggest name in the sport, and Manny Pacquiao was you know, a well-known name, but wasn't given much of a chance. And we have the same type of situation here in the sense that, you know, we have people not giving uh, Amir Khan a chance. But the big major difference when I look at this fight and look at it as a whole is that these two guys are near their prime, which is much different than that scenario between Pacquiao and De La Hoya. I mean, De La Hoya was beyond the end of his career. I mean, he had 
all sorts of problems going on outside of the ring, and, you know, he sweated down to a weight that he hadn't fought at in 10 years uh, just to make a fight with Manny Pacquiao. Different situation, in my opinion. Same in the type of caliber of opponents, but different in the type of matchup. I think these guys, like I said, are both close to their primes, both very, very, very good fighters. But the biggest difference in this fight is Canelo Alvarez is a big, big junior middleweight, all right? And he is fighting at middleweight, but he's a guy that could carry the full 160 pounds. He's a guy that rehydrates up to almost 170 pounds. Amir Khan, while he has a good frame, you know, he's just not a guy that's really considered even a big welterweight. He's not a guy that was knocking people out at welterweight. So right off when you look at the fight, you got to say the power advantage definitely goes to Canelo Alvarez. The size advantage definitely goes to Canelo Alvarez. He's just a bigger man. I mean, he looks big against Miguel Cotto. He will look very big against Mir Khan. Not in height, but just in size, just in the way that he is built. So those things all work against Amir Khan. But the one thing Amir Khan does have for himself is a speed advantage. He does have quick hands. He also has decent boxing ability. So those are the strengths that Amir Khan possesses going into the fight. Overall, you know, like I said, it is interesting. It is interesting on paper. But the biggest disadvantage for Khan, I think, will be his undoing with this. He is just simply not big enough to compete with Canelo Alvarez. And the fact is he also hasn't faced the best welterweights out there. You know, I mean, he's got a, a good win, as I said before, against Devin Alexander, but Devin Alexander didn't look good the very next time out of the ring. And also, Amir Khan, right after that, when he got back into the ring against Chris Algieri, he looked subpar. He looked hittable. I mean, if a guy like Chris Algieri can tag Amir Khan clearly, when a very big, big, big junior middleweight in Canelo all of a sudden hits Amir Khan, I think it's going to make an impact, and I think it will ultimately lead to Amir Khan getting knocked out. So on paper, it is a very interesting matchup. On paper, because there are two very big names. Both of them have good credentials in their career. But the biggest disadvantage, as I said, is just the fact that Kamel is just so much bigger than Amir Khan. And Amir Khan, as we all know, doesn't have the greatest chin in the world. And ultimately, that will lead to him getting knocked out. He will take some shots. He will get knocked down. He will show a lot of heart. But he will end up with a knockout defeat and get knocked right back down to welterweight, in which... If he competes for a title there, he might have the same thing happen against a Danny Garcia. But as I said, you know, it is interesting. They were looking for a big name for Canelo Alvarez, something they could put on pay-per-view, and they found it. But in terms of an actual competitive matchup, I just don't see it here, not of this fight. All right, let's move things now to my first guest of this week's show, and he is a returning one, now making his third appearance to On the Ropes Boxing Radio. I'm joined once again by the former IBF welterweight champion of the world, Showtime Sean Porter. How's it going today, Sean? Oh, man, it's been a good day. Uh, lots of hard work put in today and finally able to kick back and uh, enjoy the rest of my evening and relax. All right, well, Sean, you you know, you have every reason to enjoy the relaxation because, you know, you're working hard. You have a very big fight ahead of you. March 12th, you get the fight. You've been after for a while. You finally got it signed. You'll be facing Keith Thurman. It'll be taking place at the Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. How do you feel now that the fight is finally official? I'm glad it's official. It's been a long time coming for the Porter camp, uh, basically, you know, because we've been out of the ring for some time, uh, since uh, June, actually. So it feels good to finally be able to announce the fight, see Keith face on face-to-face, and, you know, really um, get some excitement behind, you know, the, the announcement of the fight. All right, now, were you at all surprised that, 
Keith Thurman took the fight. A lot of people felt that he might take an easier road than fighting yourself. I'm not surprised. I knew he would fight me. Uh, I just didn't know what was going on on, on his side or, or whatever, why it was taking so long. I, I kind of feel like, you know, he he was playing the, the prima donna role a little uh, in terms of being able to announce the fight and, and accept the fight and, 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 and make the deal happen. But, you know, um, at this point, man, we're, he, he understands that, that it's a fight, and so do I. My camp will definitely be ready. All right, now, when you look at Keith Thurman as a fighter and the things he's accomplished so far, what do you see? He's good. He's very good. I think he's done a tremendous job since turning professionally. He's uh, he's he's just beat all the odds, you know. He's uh, he's held that belt, that WBA title, for some time now, and you know, and he's and he's defended it like a champ. You know, uh, my job is to come in there and take it from him. My job is to come in there and and, and bust him up, beat him down, break him down, and do whatever I can to you know, get my hand raised at the end of that night. All right, well, before we talk about that fight, let's talk about the last time that we saw you in the ring. That was in June against Adrian Broner. And uh, you surprised a lot of people, by the way, that you manhandled him. You know, you, you controlled the entire fight. And besides a little little slip up in the 12th round, it was pretty much a one-sided fight. How did you feel about your performance? I feel very good about the performance. I think, you know, overall, I did an excellent job. I did what the corner asked me to do. I think there, you know, again, you, like you just mentioned, there was a little hiccup in that last round, uh, but definitely a learning curve for me, um, something that I, I will always take with me, you know, not only in the ring but outside the ring just in, in everyday life, how you have to, you know, um, hold yourself accountable and, and, and really, uh, you know, listen to what other people tell you and, and, and follow their directives to the T. You know, anything could happen if you don't. And uh, I learned uh, the hard way, I guess you could say, in that last round. But I think overall through that fight, we we stayed pretty poised and and consistent with the work that we were putting in. And uh, I don't think there was any question after that fight. I I felt really good after that fight. There was was nothing you could do to to convince me that I had lost that fight. So, you know, moving forward, it's just about, you know, maintaining that same momentum, that same energy and, and focus that I had. Uh, going into that fight and coming out of that fight, just taking it, you know, one step further against Keith. Now, Sean, you mentioned that it's taken a little while for you to, to have a fight officially announced. Were you surprised at all after beating someone as high profile as Adrian Broner that it took so long to get a, a big fight made? I think, you know what, for us, our, our game plan was to fight Adrian in in uh, in June and then come back again before the end of, of last year. We actually wanted to come back in September and if any way possible, come back in December. I mean, obviously that didn't happen. I think that, you know, once we find found out that Keith was going to be the guy, we kind of put any any and every other, you know, possibility aside to make this fight happen. And just because of that, it, it's taken up until this point to make the fight happen. So a little surprised that, you know, we didn't get a, a fight sooner, but – you know, um, when you look and you see who you're up against, you know, it, it, it just, you know, this, this fight took some time to make. All right, well, Sean, when you look at Keith Thurman, he's a guy, he's a very talented fighter, he's accomplished a lot, but he's also shown early in his career he has some vulnerabilities. He's been hurt in several of his fights. He's come back through it, including his last fight against Colazzo, in which he was knocked down. When you see those vulnerabilities, what do you see there? Do you see things you can exploit? I, honestly, I see both. I honestly see both. I see that he's open. He can be. He can be hurt, 
but I also see that there's fight inside of him and he's going to always come back. And that's something that I've known about Keith for some time now. Um, so the, 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 the key to beating Keith is to continue to hurt him, continue to stay on him and, and apply that pressure and make it, you know, very hard for him to come back from. You know, I, I know that, you know, guys, when they get hurt, um, they they either favor whatever, you know, uh, whatever the, wherever they're hurt at or they don't have the same focus and mentality and tenacity that they had before. So the plan is to hurt Keith and take away his energy, take away his speed and his quickness and his power and make it very hard for him to come back from uh, everything that I'm throwing at him. All right, well, Sean, we're in a very interesting time now because the welterweight division has certainly changed. Floyd Mayweather has officially retired, and then also Manny Pacquiao said that his next fight is going to be his last. Do you see this fight right here as a chance to establish who is the best welterweight in the world of the winner of this fight? You know what, I do, and I, and I always have. I've thought that and felt that well before it was announced, you know, in the public that, you know, Keith and I are two of the of the best welterweights outside of Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather. Uh, I think that, you know, we both have just displayed some of the, the the best fighting that you've seen in a long time, especially from, you know, athletes as young as us. So I think that once we go against each other, you know, the outcome of this fight shows you, you know, who's the best in the world. And uh, I'm looking forward to coming out on top. Okay, well, I mentioned that Pacquiao said that his next fight's going to be his last. And earlier in your career, you actually had a chance to spar with Manny Pacquiao for one of his fights. I'm wondering how you feel about him stepping away from the game and what do you think of the accomplishments that he had? Uh, you know what? I think, you know, every every we can't do this forever, you know. I think that, you know, when he's uh, – he obviously sees something in himself or he wants something different for his life to, you know, finally figure, figure out that, you know, this is his last go-round. You know, we saw – Floyd through it, you know, earlier in his career, not just now, uh, you know, but there was something calling him back. And when he came back, you know, Floyd Mayweather was just as great as, you know, it, it was like he never left, you know. So I think that, you know, there comes a time when we all have to hang it up. And our job along the way is to make sure that we do everything that, that we can do to, you know, accomplish all of our goals, you know, um, set a legacy for ourselves and for other fighters to look up to, you know. So Manny is definitely a fighter that I looked up to, um, you know, just before I started sparring with him, I started watching him. And, you know, after being able to work with him and see him train himself and, you know, get close to him and, and, and speak to him one-on-one and, you know, develop a relationship, I, I'm proud of everything he's accomplished in his um, in his career. And I'm looking forward to him, you know, hopefully going out on top. Well, you mentioned that maybe hopefully going out and top. He has a third fight with Timothy Bradley, and the only big difference is that Timothy Bradley has a new trainer, and he looked really good last time out. Do you think the third fight is going to play out any different than the other two? I think the third fight is definitely going to play out different. I think that Manny is going to come to be Manny, especially with it being his last fight. I think that you'll see, you know, as many punches and, and, and as much energy as you've ever seen. I don't know how anyone could, you know, have their last match and, and not put it all out um, like like it was their first match, you know. But I think Bradley and his camp, you know, having um, who he has now as his trainer, uh, Teddy Atlas, they're kind of they're going to come with a different game plan. They're going to, you know, and and I think that whatever game plan they're going to come with, uh, 
Timothy Bradley is going to stick to no matter what happens in the ring. So I think that that they're going to make some adjustments and make this a different fight. I think it's going to be a, a very good fight to watch. All right, all right, well, Sean, I've got a couple more questions before I let you off the line. And I did mention Floyd Mayweather earlier in the interview. And like I said, a lot of people don't believe he's really retired, and I want to get your perspective on this. Do you think Floyd will actually stay away from boxing and not come back to the ring and not go for that 50th win? You know what? I don't think he's retired. You know, I've I've heard things, you know, that he, he's going to come back once more, uh, but only once more. Uh, we we understand that he has tied the record and he's trying to break the record or whatever. Um, but at the same time, I feel like, you know, I think he's going to watch this fight. Whatever happens between Keith and I, if he feels like he can beat one of us, he'll come back. I don't. I think if he doesn't feel like he can beat one of us, then he won't come back. So we'll see what happens. I, I feel like March 12th is a, is a very deciding factor for um, not only the rest of 2016, but also the years to come. All right, you mentioned March 12th. How do you expect that fight to play out between yourself and Keith Thurman when you two step in the ring? You know, I, I'm expecting this fight to be competitive. I'm expecting to, you know, go in there and, and be Sean Porter, uh, but the best Sean Porter that you've ever seen. Uh, if I do that, then we control the ring, we control the distance, we control the, you know, the, uh, the, the uh, tempo of the fight, we control you know, top to bottom, everything that's going to happen in that fight, if I'm able to do everything that I can do. Um, you know, I understand that Keith is a very competitive fighter. I understand that he's not only going to try to stop me from doing what I can do, but also try to do, you know, some of the things that he can do very well. So I think when all that being said, I just think that it's going to be a great fight. It's going to be an exciting fight. And, uh, again, I'm, I, I am so confident that I, I will be victorious that night that I'm, I'm not ashamed to, you know, claim victory right now. All right, well, Sean, if you win this fight, I know you don't want to look ahead, but do you have an eye on Kell Brook avenging the only loss in your career? I always have an eye on, on, on Kell Brook uh, avenging that loss. I think that that's important. Uh, I think that, you know, at this point that fight hasn't been um, – hasn't been presented to me, so it's only so much I can do as far as looking at that fight. But it will always be something that is, uh, you know, uh, something I'm looking forward to do before uh, before I retire myself. All right. Well, in closing, Sean, is there any message you want to pass along to all your fans? You know, I got nothing. Um, the the fans have they they've respected what I do. They appreciate what I do, and and I appreciate and love them for that. Uh, continue to to look uh, at what you know. Team Porter is doing March 12th is going to be great and and like I've said before you know uh, my fans will become Keith fans after this fight and and Keith fans will become my fans after this fight so I'm looking forward to it God bless everyone out there and Showtime Sean P on everything Instagram Facebook and Twitter thank you for this interview all right well it's definitely been my pleasure Sean I thank you so much for your time and I wish you all the best in that fight on March 12th you guys thank you very much all right, that was Showtime Sean Porter talking about his March 12th fight with Keith Thurman. I have to say, this is one of the fights that I most wanted to see happen in 2016, and I'm so glad that these two guys came to terms. And I'm especially glad that the fight is taking place locally. It's going to be taking place in Connecticut, not all the way in Las Vegas. No flying cross country for me. So 
I can go see the fight, and it's one I just definitely think is going to be a really, really, really good matchup. I think that this particular fight here is honestly a true 50-50 fight. When you have the WBA welterweight champion in Keith, one-time Thurman, undefeated, but a guy that also really hasn't faced the toughest opponents in his career. You know, in a lot of ways, the toughest opponents didn't want to face him. You got Sean Porter. Sean Porter is the former IBF welterweight champion of the world. His only loss coming to the undefeated Kell Brook. He's a guy coming off a win over Adrian Broner. This is one of the best matchups you can make in all the welterweight divisions. These are two of the top five guys facing each other. You know, if you take Mayweather and Pacquiao out of the equation, this fight here could honestly be considered the fight to decide who is the best welterweight in the world at this point because both of them are just very high-caliber young fighters that are both trying to make their name in this division here. Yes, you know, Keith Thurman has a, a WBA title. He was just made the full champion. But still, as I mentioned before, he really hasn't proven it against the top guys, you know. He hasn't had those big matchups to really define himself. The biggest name he has on his whole record is against Robert Guerrero. You know, it was a good win. It was a fight that he looked good in. But still, you know, it's just not that big superstar name. You look at Sean Porter. I mean, Sean Porter took a title from Devin Alexander. Uh, he lost competitively to Kell Brook. He's got wins over Paulie Laanaji. He's got a win over Adrian Broner. You know, he's faced a high caliber of opponent, but still, this fight here really, honestly, is uh, the toughest fight of each guy's career. You know, just the way that these two guys are built and the way that their styles are. I mean, Keith Thurman's got great ability. He's got good power. Uh, Sean Porter, he's a guy that is just tough, determined, rugged, will make it a rough, hard fight every round. So this is going to test both guys. And especially with Keith Thurman having some trouble in his last fight with Luis Colazo actually getting hurt of a body shot and knocked down and the fact that he's looked a little vulnerable in previous fights. I mean, this is absolutely the toughest test of his career. And it's a fight, you know, I've gone back and forth on thinking about it, who's going to win it. And I'm going to save my prediction on it for a little bit because, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit more about it on the radio show. But all I can say is it's just a fantastic fight. It's an awesome fight that got made. And just talking to Sean and hearing, you know, his views in the fight, how confident he sounds in it, you know, this is a fight that he wanted. It's a fight he's been waiting for. And it's a fight he truly honestly believes he will win. So I'm definitely looking forward to the matchup. It was a, a great pleasure hearing from Sean Porter hearing his views on the fight, and as I said, March 12th, I can't wait for it. I will be ringside for it, and it should be one of the best fights of 2016. All right, let's move things now to a segment of the show the fans know as Ask Jenna. That's where you guys, the boxing fans, get to ask me the questions. You can do this either by emailing me on the ropes, boxingradio at gmail.com, mentioning me on Twitter, Jenna on the ropes, or putting your questions in our Facebook group, which is 10,000 members strong. So, guys, if you want to be part of On the Ropes, want to get your questions in the show, that is how you can do it. I'm going to take my first question. This one comes from Gregory Landry. He says, Jenna, what were your thoughts on Sergei Kovalev's rematch of Jean Pascal? Do you think this is the end for Pascal and his elite-level fighter? All right, well, uh, you know, this is very interesting, Gregory, because, you know, I watched the fight in I honestly believe that the fight was going to be less competitive than the first fight, being the fact that, you know, Pascal, he didn't look that good in his last matchup. And also, too, I mean, he took a lot of heavy shots. He's coming off of a knockout loss. It was a, a fight that, you know, honestly, he could have got severely hurt in if it wasn't stopped when it was stopped. You know, and the whole build-up to 
to the rematch was, oh, this fight was stopped too early. No, it was stopped at the right time. You know, Pascal could have got hurt. So going into the rematch, I honestly expected the fight to be quicker than the first. I really believed that, you know, Pascal would get knocked out again, but I didn't think the fight would be like it was. I mean, it was far less competitive than even I thought it would be. Right from the opening bell to the finish, Jean Pascal had nothing. You know, he had his new trainer in Freddie Roach, but it didn't make a difference at all. You know, Pascal just didn't seem to have it, no matter what he did in there. He was, again, trying to load up for the big shots. He wasn't listening to the coaching in his corner. Uh, He just didn't look that good, and he didn't react that well to the blows that he was getting hit with. You know, right from the opening bell, you could tell it was going to be a quick, short night for Pascal. And you could tell by Sergei Kovlov's demeanor, he was not going to allow it to be a quick night. He was going to drag it out, and he was going to beat on Jean Pascal as long as the referees and the corners would allow it to happen. And that's what we saw. I mean, Jean Pascal got hurt several occasions, and it seemed like Sergei Kovalov could have gone in there and, and gone all out and finished the job, but he just left him in there. He let the fight linger. Linger to the point where Freddie Roach ultimately had to make the call in the fight. In the sixth round, he wanted to stop that fight. And Pascal, being a guy that has a lot of heart, even though his body wasn't reacting, said, no, no, I want to continue. Give me another round. Give me one more round. He begged for one more round, and Freddie gave him that round, even telling the referee, watch my guy, keep a close eye on him, because he knew. He could just tell that his guy just did not have it on the night. You know, for whatever reason, Pascal just did not have it anymore. So having watched that fight there, honestly, i got to say this here, and I'm a big supporter of Jean Pascal. He's one of the favorite guests that I've had on the show. I think Jean Pascal should seriously consider retiring. I mean, he took a lot of heavy shots. He's a guy that, you know, got a very good personality. He's a guy that make a, a really good commentator, especially over in Canada. I don't think he has to box anymore. I'm sure he's made plenty of money. He doesn't need to take the big shots. Can he still win fights? Sure. You know, in a lot of ways, he's like his hero, Roy Jones Jr. Roy can still win some fights. But, you know, it gets to a point when you've taken so many shots, when you face a certain type of fighter, you're going to get hurt, you're going to get knocked out. And I think Jean Pascal's at that point that Roy was, that in his very next fight, in one of his next fights, you could see Jean Pascal going to sleep. And I don't think anyone wants to see that. So, you know, overall, it was a very good performance by Sergei Kovalov. He did what he had to do. But, again, I just really honestly don't think Jean Pascal had it on the night. And I think, honestly, he's a guy that really should consider hanging up the gloves. All right, I'm going to take my next question now. This one comes from Justin Brown. He says, Jenna, what were your thoughts on Danny Garcia's win over Robert Guerrero, and who do you think he should fight next? All right, well, to answer your question, Justin, honestly, I thought it was a good performance by Danny Garcia. I mean, early in the fight, he was actually down on the cards. He was losing some of the early rounds to Robert Guerrero. I thought he might be in trouble in the sense of, you know, he could possibly lose a decision. But as the fight wore on, he got into his groove and he started to impose his will on Guerrero. You know, he just started to land more, more cleanly, more solidly. Uh, He boxed well. And overall, it was a good performance from Danny Garcia. But when you look at Danny Garcia, especially at welterweight, what you see really is he doesn't carry that much power. I mean, his first win in the division was against Polimanaji, a light-hitting welterweight. And, yeah, he did knock Polymanagi out, but it was more of a referee stoppage and just more of an accumulation. Robert Guerrero, in his previous two fights, had been knocked down. You know, Garcia didn't really appear to hurt him at all. So the big thing when I look at Danny Garcia that I see is, 
he doesn't carry much power up to 147 pounds. He just doesn't have that same pop that he did at 140. And that could prove to be to his detriment, you know, when he faces different opponents. But, you know, for the guys that he's facing right now and, you know, the, the criticism he gets for the level of opponents he gets, I think he'll be fine. I mean, he won a WBC belt in that fight there. You know, it was a good it was a good win overall. But should he have won a title belt, a world title belt with that type of fight? No, it's the matchups. And if Danny Garcia is matched up, he could be undefeated for a long while. Now, in terms of his next fight, originally it was supposed to be Amir Khan. And now he'll likely take on somebody else in the division. And if you look at the WBC rankings and you look at the guys that are ranked there, you know, you see guys like Lamont Peterson, who Garcia already has a win over. You see guys like Andre Berto. And you see other guys like Omar Figueroa. So when you look at the division as a whole, there's a lot of easy fights for Danny Garcia. Not particularly the fans really want to see. Now, if I'm going to guess who Garcia will fight next, if I was going to just throw a guess out there, honestly, I think he'll probably face someone like Andre Berto. That's the type of matchup that they seemingly put in there with Danny Garcia. You know, it's just, it's all about matchups with Danny Garcia. As some of his haters like to mention, they like to call him Cherries because he's, you know, picking the uh, the easiest fights possible. Me personally, a fight that I would like to see happen for him at the weight class, I'd love to see him face someone like Kel Brook. I'd love to see a unification fight between Garcia and Brook. I think that'd be a fantastic matchup. I would even like to see him face a young, hungry guy, a guy that's looking for a title. Someone like Errol Spence. Why not? Errol Spence, yeah, he's young. Yeah, he hasn't faced, you know, any top, top-level guys. But, hey, if Errol Spence is willing to take the risk, I'd love to see that matchup because he has top-level ability. It would be a really interesting fight. It would be a tough fight for Garcia. You know, honestly, if I'm going to just throw a name out there of who I think is going to be next, I said it once, I think it will be someone like Andre Berto. But if it's someone I really want to see, someone I'd really like to see him fight, I'd rather see him face someone like Kel Brook. All right, I'll go now to my next question. This one comes from Dave Greenwood. He says, what do you think of Andre Ward facing Sullivan Barrera ahead of a possible Sergey Kovalev clash? All right, well, to be honest, Dave, I honestly love this fight here. I think it's a real tough test for Andre Ward, especially at 175 pounds, in which he hasn't really faced him with the full weight. Sullivan Barrera is a legitimate contender. He's a legitimate top 10 guy right now. So it's a very good matchup. So, you know, I like the matchup. I, I hope Andre Ward can stay healthy. I hope that, you know, everything goes well and the fight actually takes place in March. And if it does, you know, I think Ward will get tested. I think he'll be facing a, a bigger puncher than he's used to facing, a guy that's got, you know, a very good amateur pedigree, you know, and a guy that will push him, push him the rounds. It will go the full distance and, you know, it'll be a competitive fight. I think Andre Ward will ultimately beat Sullivan Brera. And I think he'll beat him by decision. You know, it'll be a 12-round fight, so I think it'll probably be something around the lines of eight rounds to four, at worst, you know, nine rounds to three. But I just think Andre Ward will be tested, especially early. I won't be surprised to see Ward take a few big shots and, you know, have to recollect himself and, and, you know, box a little bit more. You know, because he's an excellent boxer. He's got great boxing ability. But you haven't seen Andre Ward hurt in a long time. We could see him get hit with solid shots in this fight. They could really, you know, make Ward kind of reevaluate things and be a little bit more careful than we're used to seeing. I think it's a very good matchup, and it's a very good way to prepare for Sergey Kovalev. I mean, as I mentioned before, Sergey Kovalev, he looked very good in his last fight, and this is one of the biggest fights of all of 2016 that can happen, Ward versus Kovalev. And it's a fight that will determine the light heavyweight champion of the world. Because in my opinion, Andre Ward already beat the light heavyweight champion of the world in Chad Dawson. Catch weights or whatnot, 
he beat Chad Dawson. He knocked Chad Dawson out. Whatever belt that, you know, Donna Stevenson took was a belt that shouldn't have been there in the first place. So right now you have Kovalev who holds three of the four belts. When he faces Andre Ward, if he were to beat Ward, he would become the legitimate, undisputed, light heavyweight champion of the world if he can beat Andre Ward, which is no easy task. So, you know, honestly, Ward's picking the right fight to prepare himself for Kovalev and give himself the best chance to succeed in the light heavyweight division. All right, I'm going to take my next question. This one comes from Robert Brown. It says, where should Andy Lee go next? What do you think about a possible Peter Quillen rematch? All right, well, this is a, an interesting question, Robert, because, you know, Andy Lee, when I, when I looked at his last fight against Billy Joe Saunders, I mean, it was very close. You know, it was a fight that he got knocked down early, he came back, and he controlled the second half of the fight. I scored the fight a draw. A lot of people scored that fight a draw. It was a boring fight. It was a bad fight overall. It was kind of surprisingly bad. You know, and when I looked at, you know, the future prospects for Andy Lee, the fight that I honestly believe that he should have is a rematch with Billy Joe Saunders because nothing got decided. Billy Joe Saunders didn't take the championship from the champion. He didn't go out there and take it. Yeah, he won the fight, but he didn't go out there and take it. He didn't definitively beat him. He didn't knock Andy Lee out like he had the chance to do. So, you know, ultimately that's the fight I'd most like to see, not because it would be a good fight, just because there's still more to prove. Billy Joe Saunders, in my opinion, is no champion. You know, he has to go out there and really take it to the champion, prove himself. A true champion takes the best matchups out there. And Billy Joe had a chance to prove if he really was a champion and face somebody like Gennady Golovkin. He was offered that fight. He was offered the most money of his entire career. But he didn't take it. He's going to take the safe road and fight some easy fights in the U.K., make some money before he cashes out. Um, but as far as Andy Lee goes, you know, Andy Lee is, is one of my favorite fighters because he's a guy that's willing to face anybody. If he had beat Saunders, he would be facing Golovkin in April. So as far as his next fight, I think he wants to take on a tough opponent, a tough challenge. And a fight with Peter Kuhn, I think it would be a good fight because that fight there was a draw. You know, it was a legitimate draw. I mean, both those guys had each other down in the fight. It was a great fight. Both of them are coming off of losses. I think it's a really good fight. So, you know, it's a very good suggestion there, Robert. Um, if it's not a Billy Joe Saunders fight, I think a Peter Quillen matchup would be a very good fight and a fight that I think Andy Lee could win. All right, I'm going to go down to my next question. This one comes from Adam Willis. He says, if Canelo beats Amir Khan, do you believe Canelo Alvarez will take on Gennady Golovkin later this year? All right, well, Adam, to answer this, I really don't know what Golden Boy Promotions is planning to do with Canelo, if they're willing to risk him or not. They have been willing to risk their top guys before. I mean, they were willing to put Canelo in there with Floyd Mayweather. They were willing to put in, you know, uh, David Lemieux with a Gennady Golovkin. They're willing to take some risks, but this is the biggest star of their company. Will they take that risk ultimately? I mean, right now they got granted what they want. They wanted an interim fight in which they could possibly build up the fight, let it simmer, a little bit, and ultimately they could fight in the fall. I just don't know if they'll actually do it or not. You know, Golden Boy has been a little unpredictable before, and if they do it, I will give them all the props in the world for being one of the best promotional companies. But I truly don't know. I guess a lot of it depends on how Canelo looks against Amir Khan. If he just blows Amir Khan out of the water, knocks him out real quickly, and he looks devastating, you know, they might say, hey, maybe our guy can beat Gennady Golovkin. So I guess the best way to answer this, Adam, is to say, I think they will make this fight if they truly believe Canelo Alvarez can beat Gennady Golovkin. So the fight will happen later this year if Oscar De La Hoya truly believes Canelo to win that fight. But if he has any doubt in his mind and believes that Canelo will lose, 
that fight will not happen this year as much as fans want it to. All right, I'm going to take my last question of this week's Ask Jenna segment, and it comes from Glenn Robinson. He says, Jenna, if Manny Pacquiao wins by knockout against Timothy Bradley, do you think he will forget about retiring and go after a Floyd Mayweather rematch? All right, well, Glenn, in terms of ever seeing a Mayweather versus Pacquiao rematch, the one biggest thing we need is for Floyd Mayweather to announce his return to the sport because he's officially retired. He's done. And Manny Pacquiao has already announced going into this fight with Timothy Bradley, this will be the last fight of his boxing career. He wants to go, you know, run for Senate and just serve the people of the Philippines. So there's a lot that needs to happen for that to even take place. As far as Manny Pacquiao knocking out Timothy Bradley, I, I think if Pacquiao can look really impressive and do something that he couldn't do in the previous two fights, it gets a lot of fan interest. And when there's fan interest, then there's fight interest. So that's what really does need to happen. Manny Pacquiao has to look devastating against Timothy Bradley to gain that type of fan interest for people to be garnering for a Pacquiao-Mayweather rematch because there's really not that many people garnering for it. The first fight was hugely disappointing. Yeah, it sold 4 million pay-per-view buys, but fans were disappointed. Pacquiao claimed a shoulder injury after. So if Pacquiao goes out there in his very next fight and knocks out Timothy Bradley, then people can say, wait, oh, my God. Uh, Manny Pacquiao hasn't scored a knockout since 2009, and now he just scored a knockout. He's back. His shoulder is better than ever before. we got to see that fight. He'll knock out Mayweather. And that's what fans have to be doing for that fight to actually happen. Trust me, if Pacquiao looks amazing against Bradley, you will hear people asking about that fight, wanting that fight. And then you'll also hear Floyd say, hey, maybe I might come back. Maybe I'll come back. Maybe I'll make that fight happen again. But really, it all does depend on how Pacquiao looks in his next fight if we ever see a Pacquiao day with a rematch. All right, well, that was this week's Ask Jenna segment. I'd like to thank all the fans that submitted your questions. And, guys, you heard the top of the segment. If you want to get your questions on On Most Boxing Radio, send them in, and you too can be part of the show. All right, I'm going to move things now to my final guest of this week's show, and he is definitely a returning one. Now making his 10th appearance to On the Ropes Boxing Radio, I'm happy to welcome back Hall of Fame boxing trainer, Freddie Roach. How's it going today, Freddie? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm doing great, Freddie. It's definitely a pleasure to have you back on the show. And Freddie, to um, start this interview off, let's talk about the last time we, we saw you in the corner, and that was just this past weekend. You were uh, training Jean Pascal for his fight against Sergei Kovalev. Can you... Uh, let me know what you you saw from the corner. Well, you know, Pascal um, was take, taking shots from the beginning of the fight on, and uh, Kovalev's power just was too much for him from the first round on to right through the whole fight. He heard, he, he heard him almost in every round, and um, he's just um, he was just too strong and too big for him. And uh, I I didn't want to see him get hurt, and um, I was I did worry about him, and I was going to stop the fight I think in the sixth round and then um, he, he pleaded to get one more round and I told him if you don't go out there and show me that you can win the fight I'm going to stop it so he went out there and lost that round badly again and um, so I stopped the fight and uh, you know I did have a talk with the referee and I told the referee after the after the sixth round to keep a close eye on him because I was worried about him a little bit because he was taking some big shots and I just don't like that in boxing. It's just like there's no need for people to, to take beatings like that. And there's always another day maybe uh, if um, if he comes back, but not against Jose, not not against Kovalev at least. So because uh, Kovalev has knocked him out twice 
in 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 a row, and we don't need that anymore. Now, Freddie, with that particular fight, did you see that maybe Pascal just didn't have it on the night and didn't show what he showed you in the gym? Well, you know, in the gym, sparring um, was a little bit difficult, but um, on the mitts and, and the game plan, it worked, worked out very well. And then the last week of sparring, he did much better, and he boxed well. He used his left hand, which his brother told me that I wouldn't get him to do because he, he'll use it in the gym, but he'll never use it in the fight, and I lost that bet. So, because... I told him he will use the left hand in the in the fight. He didn't, and that year. he is a pretty good boxer when he wants to be. But uh, at this point, I'm not sure what the problem is because the last, his last three fights, um, he hasn't looked really like himself. And he looking for this a one punch home run and trying to get a little bit lucky. Um, so I I will have a long talk with him about maybe retirement, maybe it's time, maybe some time off. Um, I'm not sure what the what the answer is right now, but um, you know um, the performance he had the other night. Uh, at, at this point, there's really no future until we have a, a, a good talk about it. And um, the, the doctors did check him out, and they they came the green light. He's okay. Uh, there's no damage, uh, serious damage. But I think he did break his nose really bad in the fight too. But um, that that. I'm really, I'm really not worried about a broken nose so much. Now, Freddie, being that you've seen Sergey Kovalev close up, how do you think he does with Andre Ward? Is that the the big light heavyweight fight everyone's looking forward to? Well, Kovalev, you know, he's a good friend of mine. Going into the fight, um, we're friends uh, during the press conferences. Maybe not so friendly, but uh, we are here and we shook hands again afterwards. He's a respectful person and. I am too to, to him. He's a very nice guy. So I wish him the best in that fight. I think that he's too big and strong for Ward. I know Ward's a great boxer, but he's been off for a long time, and he he's, he hasn't improved with the downtime. In his comeback fight, it was not that great against not that great in the post. I know Andre Ward was one of the best boxers in the world, but I think the layoff's going to hurt him. And I think Kovalev might be too strong for him. And, um, I, you know, I, I like both fighters. I'm friendly with both fighters, and I wish them both luck. But, you know what, one thing about that fight, I do want to, I do want to see that fight. I, I do want to watch that fight. All right, well, Freddie, let's talk about one of your other fighters, the one that you're most known for training, that being Manny Pacquiao. He has a rematch with Timothy Bradley on April 9th. Can you talk a little bit about Pacquiao's choice to meet Bradley for a third time? Well, you know, uh, coming off the uh, soldier, the injury, and uh, um, he got the green light from the doctors that it's okay and so forth. But uh, again, I think that he needed not to be in um, not to be in a real war, a real tough fight. But we did say yes to the boy from Omaha, and uh, I heard he said yes too. But I, I think uh, Bob might be protecting him a little bit right now because he's. Uh, he might be his next uh, ace in the hole. He might, might be the next the future fighter. He, he, Crawford is a very good fighter. I like him a lot and so forth, but I just don't feel he has the experience to be Pacquiao right now. And we did say yes to that fight also, and they told us it wasn't available. So we went to Bradley. And uh, Bradley is you know, going to be a good test for Manny. And um, even though he, uh, everyone tells me it's his last pro fight and so forth, even Manny tells me that, but I don't really believe it. So um, Manny, if he becomes 
the senator of his country, and he'll be so happy for the senator to defend his title. So um, I, 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 hope this I hope that this isn't Manny's last fight, um, depending on how he does in the fight, of course. But I think he will dominate the fight. And it's the first time in a long time he told me that he wanted to knock his opponent out. So that's good news to me. Uh, well, Freddie, when you when you look at Timothy Bradley, obviously he's had a big change in his corner with Teddy Atlas. Do you see any differences in Bradley from what you've seen before, or do you think it was just the matchup he had? Well, you know, he, 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 the matchup he had was very – he didn't have any – he wasn't in there against a, a in-shape fighter that wanted to win the fight, and um, he, his opponent just didn't show up to me. But, I, you know, I know that Teddy Atlas is not afraid of firemen or something like that, or not afraid of fire. And uh, I don't really give a shit about all his stories. You know? <laughs> he's, I mean, let's, let's face it. I mean, he, he knows when he's on film and he goes into the acting mode. I mean, he's, he's quiet, and then all of a sudden he puts his voice on. And he says, oh, we're not afraid of firemen. We, we train in the heat. Well, what the fuck do you think we do? I mean, um, you know. We are not scared of Teddy Atlas. He will bring nothing to the table. Bradley's Bradley. All right. All right. Well, Freddie, in terms of Pacquiao and his last fight, obviously he took on Mayweather, and you guys came up a little bit short, and also Pacquiao had the, the shoulder injury. How much different do you think that fight would have been if Pacquiao's shoulder had held up for the fight? I think, we, uh, well, you know, Pacquiao thinks we, he won the fight. And uh, a, lot, a lot of people tell me we won the fight in the airport and so forth the next day. I mean, a uh, tremendous amount of people told me we were robbed in that fight, black, white, um, both. Um, no, 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 no one was prejudiced about it. It didn't seem like every, um, all races told me that Pacquiao won the fight. So, but then in my own mind, I, I didn't think he won the fight. But I never rewatched the fight because I was a little bit too disappointed in Manny's performance because... The shoulder, you know, again, the shoulder became a problem, and he didn't fight the fight that I think he fight, and I think, I think he can fight a much better fight. So, I'm hoping maybe it happens. But you know, both guys, one's retired already, and one says this is the last fight. Um, but we'll see. But um, at this point, I, I really can't look forward to it because there's not enough, there's not enough there to put the fight together yet. Now, Freddie, in terms of uh, Pacquiao's shoulder injury, where do you see him now in terms of his health? Do you think his shoulder is better? Because apparently this shoulder injury has been something that's plagued him for, for quite a few years now. Well, that shoulder injury was uh, was an old injury and, uh, you know, something that he could get through when he was younger. But, you know, the thing is, by fight time, he's 100% healthy. In the dressing room, he's punching great. And, I mean, we had, you know, we we didn't even think about re-hurting the shoulder um, you know, with training camp, um, I mean, we did. We did. Ha- it did bother him a month before the fight, but then, you know, as training camp went on, it got better and so forth. And right now, after he had surgery, Elatrash told, uh, gave him the green light, and Elatrash is one of the best surgeons in the world. So, um, he, you know, he's, he'll be 100% going into this fight. I'll make sure of that. And if he's not 100%, I'm, I wouldn't. I would never let him fight. You know, I'm not like that. I mean, just like stopping the fight the other night. I'm not afraid to stop a fight. Um, I don't like stopping fights because it's it's hard. It really is hard because you want to give your fighter the chance to maybe turn things around. But the thing the thing is, 
I believe in my fighters, and I and I believe in. Uh, I'm looking out for more for their health than I am anything. All right, well, in that fight on April 9th against Timothy Bradley, how do you expect Manny Pacquiao to do? What is your prediction for that fight? I think Manny will knock him out. Teddy Atlas will ruin Timothy Bradley with his stories because the stories have nothing to do with boxing. There's no instruction of how to get better. I mean, all you did, all they heard in his last fight was he's not afraid of fire and he trains in the heat. Well, you can't tell him that he needs to move his head more and jab more and be more efficient. Um, I, I think that Manny's wish will come true. All right, I've just got a couple more questions for you, Freddie, before I let you off the line, and I want to get your thoughts on Miguel Cotto's future. Uh, he lost his last fight to Canelo Alvarez. Uh, where do you see him going? Mm-hmm. I thought he won that fight. It was a good fight. I like it. Um, uh, Miguel's talking about maybe fight, fight, fighting, uh, I think they, they said maybe in June, and I look forward to working with him. So we don't have an opponent yet, uh, and uh, that's uh, Gabby's job to get the opponent, and then whoever Gabby picks, I will get him ready for. All right. And as far as Canelo goes, after seeing him close up, how do you think he does against Golovkin? I don't think that fight will happen. Why would they? Why would they take a chance with the best-selling guy? I'll bet you that fight. Does, well, in my opinion, I don't think that fight will happen because it makes no sense. All right. Well, Freddie, let's talk about the uh, stable of fighters that you have. Can you talk about some of the uh, young guys you have going up? Well, Frankie Gomez fighting February fifth. One of my best prospects. Um, he'll he will his weight's coming down. His head's on straighter than it was, um, but. Uh, he, he did have a problem with uh, gaining too much weight, but we have that under control now. And I told him if he looks good in this fight, I'm going to take him to the Philippines and spar a pack out with me, and he's really excited about that. And I think the training camp will be really, really good for him. So I got him, and then I got Jose Ramirez, who's also on Manny's show at, on the undercard, and uh, he will probably be coming to the, to the Philippines with me also. All right, well, Freddie, in closing, my final question for you. You'd often said in previous interviews on this radio show that when Manny Pacquiao retired that you might sail off into the sunset too. I'm just curious how you're feeling now in your training career and do you really think when Manny Pacquiao retires that you might hang it up as well? Um, possibly. Um, you know, um, I still have back problems. My back is killing me right now. I'm talking to you. <laughs> but um, when my... When Frankie comes in today, I will do mitts with him, and I will work my ass off and, and, until I until I can't. But um, uh, I'm 55 years old. I'm getting closer to to that to that to that retirement age, I guess. But um, not not right at this moment. I'm, I'm but we'll see how the back comes out and I go from there. All right, well, Freddie, it's been a great pleasure having you once again return to On the Ropes Boxing Radio. I Thank you for your time today, and I wish you all the best in in all your fights this year. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right, that was Freddie Roach discussing the upcoming Pacquiao versus Bradley 3 fight. And, you know, there's some definitely interesting quotes from Freddie Roach there, especially when it comes to the Atlas being in the corner of Bradley, the lack of difference he believes that it's going to make making fun of the whole fireman speech in the corner, which that whole speech has kind of gained some legendary status and is getting played everywhere as motivational speeches go. Um, But, you know, I have to say it was a great pleasure having Freddie Roach come back on the show here, especially breaking down the fight with 
uh, Bradley and Pacquiao, because, I mean, if you listen to a lot of fans out there, you know, there are a lot of them are, are sold on the Teddy Atlas hype, that Teddy Atlas is the answer. Teddy Atlas is the big difference. Teddy Atlas is going to lead to Pacquiao, you know, losing the fight. And you can tell that Freddie Roach kind of resents all that talk there, saying, look, the guy's just a trainer. He's not doing anything special. He's giving speeches out there, you know. You know, we, we do the same stuff in the gym that they do in the gym. So definitely interesting to hear Freddie Roach's take on that and also get his thoughts, too, on the, the Kovalev-Pascal fight, being the fact that he had to make such a, a tough decision in the corner. You know, and also, too, Freddie Roach talked about himself, you know, in the sense that he could walk away from the game. He's getting a little bit older, has some, you know, back issues going on that he might consider retiring, you know, once Pacquiao steps away from the game. So, you know, he doesn't feel like he's right at that retirement age yet. He certainly doesn't look like it, the work that he does with his fighters continuously now still doing the mitts and pad work. But I just got to say, it was a, a great pleasure to once again have Freddie Roach come back on the show. You know, he joins that rare club of on-the-ropes guests that have been on, you know, 10 times or more. So I definitely appreciate the fact that Freddie has come on the show so many times, and I'm definitely looking forward to having him on in the future. All right, well, that just about does it for this week's show. I'd like to thank both of my guests, Sean Porter and Freddie Roach. It was a great pleasure speaking to both of them. I'd also like to give a special thanks to our show sponsor, IBOboxing.com. I said it before on the show, if you want to get all the latest with the IBO in terms of their champions, their rankings, everything to do with their organization, you can go to IBOboxing.com. And speaking of websites, make sure you check out www.ontheropes.com boxing.com you will find all of our latest guest articles podcasts everything to do of on the ropes boxing radio you will find it there and guys just enjoy your weekend and i'll catch you next time with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.